Welcome to What's Your Beef? Each week we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello and welcome to What's Your Beef? I'm Jane Cudahy. Today we're chatting to Kitty Sheridan. She's the Livestock Strategic Operations Manager at Tees Australia and Narra Court in South Australia. Hello, Kitty. Hi, Jane. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you. So, Kitty, this is a this is a big job. How did you end up down there? Uh, yeah, so look, like a lot of people in this industry, I have always known I've wanted to be around beef. Um, my father is a cattle trader and has been since I was very young, so I've sort of grown up um, working with him. I finished schooling and then I wanted to get a bit of practical experience because I think sometimes that can be a fantastic teacher. So I actually started work as a stock person at the Charlton Feedlot in Victoria. Um, so just writing pens and diagnosing um, various illnesses. And then I was working there for about six months when I was promoted to leading hand. And at that time it was owned by elders. And then elders ended up selling it and one of their biggest customers at the time at the feedlot was Tees and they bought it and I worked for them at the feedlot for about six months and then they sort of said oh we've got this this job we're creating in South Australia would you be interested and I said well I've never been to South Australia why not? (laughs) It's a terrific attitude I love it. Yes it took the took the job and a month later moved sight unseen to a to a fantastic little town so I'm I'm yeah, turned out very well. <laughs> it's always a fun surprise when that happens. You know, it's quite rare that people know exactly what they want to do. And But you said that you've always wanted to work with with beef cattle? Yeah, I think, well, I always wanted to work with animals. Um, and probably originally I wanted to be a vet. Like, I think because probably one of, maybe something that needs to be looked at or worked on is that a lot of kids in school don't realise how many different options there are um, to work in the industry. It seems like you're presented with two options. It's kind of, oh, well, well, three, I suppose. You can be a scientist, you can be a vet, or you can be a farmer. And there's so many more things, I think, through this industry than that. And I probably my biggest eye-opener was uh, I did um, meat judging at university, and that's where I probably really started wanting to go down the the beef line as opposed to just yeah I'd sort of always wanted animals and then probably in that farm animals so sort of sheep cattle and then yeah in um, uni doing meat judging Um, I really really got interested in the beef and the beef industry. That's terrific I think you've touched on something really um, important there with the the lack of understanding of the scope in just the beef industry, forget about, you know, all of the other agricultural industries because yeah. they're just as complex, but we'll focus on the beef because that's why we're here. So, you know, what do you wish you had known when you went to school and just sort of said, right, I want I want to do more about beef? What what do you really wish they um, had told you? Maybe just to, to be able to have a bit of a more open conversation with someone like myself um, that has worked in the industry um, quite often and this is no fault of any school or any educator it's just that a lot of the time the people that are like the careers advisors I suppose you call them or that's what they used to um, 
you know, I, I did. I was really lucky. I went to boarding school, which was a fantastic opportunity, and I, I got to experience and do a lot of things I wouldn't have gotten to do if I wasn't, you know, in Sydney at, at a boarding school. But it also meant that probably the people that were there advising me really didn't have a lot of, I guess, practical ideas on what what was out there or what was available, um, because just you know it's out of their their purview. You know, it's it's not something that they're readily looking at every day and it's probably just a bit removed. I think sometimes, you know, there's still to this day people forget, you know, that all the food that's in your supermarket actually came from a farm, whether that's a small-scale, large-scale family, corporation, whatever it was, it, it started, you know, with someone growing it. So I think, yeah, there's just that. And I mean, it's talked about quite a lot in the media at the minute. Well, I think, you know, yeah, at the moment. And I think, you know, consumers are becoming a little bit more conscious, hopefully, of Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, events such as Beef Australia do a <laughs> lot of work to um, to make sure that's the case. Now, I want to go back to, because you, you said, you know, you've moved sight unseen to this new community and your new job. So what was what was the job that was built for you? Yeah, so um, I guess it's a, it's a really interesting job in that I kind of work with both um, the livestock team. Uh, so obviously I'm managed uh, by my livestock manager who manages the livestock team on plant. Um, and But then I also get to work with the production team and the sales team. Um, so basically my probably one of the biggest parts of my role is uh, planning what we're going to process each day. Um, so your listeners may or may not be aware, there's a lack at most beef plants you've got a few different programs, whether that be 100-day grain-fed, you know, certified grass-fed, organic, uh, service kill option, and all those things have to be balanced um, between both what the um, what the kill floor can handle and what the boning room can handle and then what sales need to make their projections. So I guess I try and work with um, production and livestock um, to, to make sure those targets are met. Um, that's a lot of spreadsheets. That. That's a lot of spreadsheets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, it is a bit of that, and I suppose look, it's one of those things. I have a really good manager, and he's been here for twenty plus years, so he knows a lot of the farmers. And I guess the more the longer I've been here, the more you know. Some people like to deliver on certain days, and so you know, it starts to become a bit instinctive. Mm. Yeah. So and and we, you know, you learn that. Okay, I put this with this on this day, and the didn't really work through the boning room, right? So how do we do it better the next time? Um, so that's something that's been really good because I get, as I said, I get to see both sides. Um, and probably one of the other, I sort of, as I said, it's, it's a bit of a varied role. I also um, audit our grasslands program, which is our certified grass-fed That's a team-specific, uh, isn't it? And, and that's Australia-wide, yeah. the grasslands. So what sets that apart? What, what makes it special? Yeah, so I guess it was developed a few years ago. Much like what you were saying, uh, consumers are becoming more and more aware and more and more interested in the way that their beef or and food overall is being produced. And so we had uh, a demand for um, cattle that had full traceability through their lifetime and you could say from you know birth to end of life, it was... Um, completely grass-fed, wasn't confined, wasn't um, given antibiotics, 
and wasn't given any other hormones. And so that's something um, we've we looked at and so we've, we've created this program which we're really happy has, has got a lot of people um, and we've gotten a lot of support from our producers. And is that Australia-wide, that support? Because yeah. obviously it's an Australia-wide program, but do you find that southern producers or northern producers are, are big? Where are your biggest lot of um, producers? Yeah, I think, look, it's one of those things we have. We've got about, um, I think we're up to, it's a PIC-based um, accreditation program. And I think we've got about 1,570 picks accredited um, and that's all down the eastern seaboard because that's where our tea, tea plants are based. So everywhere from Queensland, well, I suppose Northern Territory, South Australia, New South Wales, Victoria. Um, I'm not sure about Tasmania. I don't, I don't think we have any there, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, so it, it has. It's gotten support across, yeah, down the whole state. And there's a premium involved in it too, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yep, there is a premium involved. And it's sort of been really good. We've been able to offer a pretty consistent premium because because of our ability to source the beef from both, you know, over the winter when it gets a bit slower down south here because it is quite wet and cold. Um, we can then source cattle from places like Queensland and, parts of New South Wales, um, whereas during the summer when a lot of Queensland and, you know, well, the hotter parts of the, the eastern seaboard are not doing a lot of cattle um, work just due to, you know, environmental restraints and feed and whatever else, that's when we're at our peak down here. So it kind of means we've been able to offer our customers a guarantee that whenever they want grass-fed beef, we can, we can give it to them. You rattled off quite a lot of criteria just before that your customers are demanding. Do you find customers or your customers are becoming not so much more demanding, but there is that real niche market? Yeah. Whereas once you sort of everything was, was killed as grass-fed or grain-fed and, and now it seems to be quite, well, of course it is more specific, but, you know, how do you see that from a processing point of view? Yeah, I mean, like, I'll just say it, like, personally is probably the better way of saying that's it. Cause, great. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's my opinion, not the, not the company's. But, um, yeah, so, like, personally, I think much like what you're saying, there has almost been this, I think it's an interest, and we see that there are different customers. So, you know, there are people that are wanting to know exactly where their beef has come from, exactly what it's been doing, how to cook it, what they should do with it. They're really interested. Then we've got people that are, you know, maybe um, still still wanting a good product but maybe don't want to spend seven hours cooking it. So we sort of have some other options where they could go and buy um, some value-added products that we've done at Wagga. Um, then there's people that, you know, just, just want to know it's a good product. They're not really worried about what it was said or how it got there, or but they just want to know that when they eat it, it's going to taste good. So I think now it's about catering to, yeah, different different types of people and also different budgets and different, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of different things to look at. It's not sort of so much, yeah, as you said, one, one type of person. We're trying to make sure that everyone that walks into a supermarket, butcher, whatever it may be, looking for a piece of beef comes out with something that works for them and their family. We just obviously saw the... The fallout from the COVID nineteen outbreak, and you know, certainly at first in Australia there was that real sort of sense of panic buying and toilet paper, you know, fights in the supermarket kind of thing. But there were a lot of 
um, pictures of supermarket meat aisles with all of the beef gone um, and just our processed friends at the end um, still fully socked. Did that surprise yep. you that people really did want to stock up on those those items that they trust um, and they know that they've come from, you know, a good place being beef? No, it, it really doesn't. I think, um, you know, MLA's done a bit of work and they've been doing webinars and things and I think there's been a few people sort of looking at different trends and what they've seen is that customers are going to something that, that gives them comfort and that they know. So those, those things that they maybe grew up eating that they haven't, well, it gives them that sense of security um, and that sense of comfort to know that what they're, you know, it's, it's something that they've always known and that, that's good for them and it's mm. good for their families. So, uh, yeah, it didn't surprise, probably surprised me like most people that it went as far as it did. <laughs> it's just something that we've you know, always was, known. So now, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, there was like, I don't think you can buy a bloody freezer for love nor money through most of the states in Australia. And I don't, I don't know if you still can, but I, yeah, I think tales of, you know, hundreds of freezers going. Um, <laughs> I in, hadn't in, heard the freezers. Maybe I just sort of, yeah. I, 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 grew, I have quite a few and they're all stocked with yeah. beef. <laughs> yeah, um, so we're, we're, um, <laughs> we're lucky being, um, I guess, a lot of country people with, you know, rarely do we buy a day's worth of groceries. We're uh, sort of all, we're, we were already doing the two weeks shopping in one go. My husband's been yeah. accusing me of being a closet doomsday prepper for years, so I, um, <laughs> I, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, um, he was happy though, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's still fed, so he's stoked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now with your role, what is your favourite part? We've sort of talked about a few different um, aspects of it, but, you know, you love beef. It's it's a strategic role, so, you know, that's um, a bit next level. So what, what gets you out of bed in the morning? morning and excited? Um, to be honest, it's working with our producers. That's my favourite thing. Um, I love talking to people and I love trying to help in any way. So whether that's trying to help them understand their grading or what they could do better to get a better result next time or um, how we can get them into a program that suits their um their production system or how we can, you know, do some planning and figure out what they think is the best option for when they're going to sell their beef or what they're going to sell their beef as, whether that is as a feeder to one of our feedlots or as a um, finished animal to one of our processing plants. So, yeah, being able to work with, with farmers and producers would definitely be my favourite part. Do you get out in the paddock much or are you are you at, uh, sort of at the processing plant most of the time? Yeah, so mainly based at the processing plant because I guess I'm that person that people can call knowing I am in an office, um, whereas <laughs> our, like my livestock manager, you know, he can be in – he's got almost a sale a day every day. Um, then he's also out drafting cattle for people and, and so sometimes it can be hard for him, you know, other than the fact that there's no reception in some of those places. Sometimes, you know, it, it's one of those things that's meant that people know they can call me and – and ask me a question or if they're unsure about paperwork or if they don't understand some results they got or whatever it may be, they can call me. So you're reliable. Yeah. Look, um, yeah. You're sounding very it's, reliable. <laughs> yes. You know, part of the auditing that I do for Grasslands, um, most of it is online, but every year we do audit producers on farm. So we go out to their farms and go through their records and look at 
what they're doing and how they're doing it. Folders and folders and folders of information is my experience in that. Yeah, <laughs> all of that fun stuff. All of but, it. But, um, yeah, I've, I've been thankful most people get to the end of the audit and say, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So, yeah. um Oh, well, if you're keeping your records and most, you know, really modern farming, you've got to be keeping records anyway. So if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, it's not that much more of an ask. No. Really. And look, and it's been really good even, you know, if I mainly audit producers around the, you know, southeast in South Australia and then over to probably Western Vic. Um, but it's been fantastic. You know, you talk to some people sometimes for three years on a phone and you, you never really sort of get to make that connection or, you know, they'll tell you about their farm or what they're doing. And, you know, it's really great to go out and actually see see the farm and see all these different places like around the South So, I, yeah, I really like that. And I, I have done a bit of buying in sale yards before as well, um, sort of when they've been short of buyer or something. I've, I've done a few, yeah. Through. A few stints. That's nerve-wracking, actually, if you're not really used to – like, I would find that very nerve-wracking. If you're not really used to it every week and you're yep. sort of thrown in, off you go, go and buy some cattle today, I'd imagine that would be um, a fairly nerve-wracking experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was probably um, – I, I look, I, they were very good in that um, I went with um, my manager again and he sort of – I spent a couple of weeks going with him and, you know, I went with a couple of our other buyers and. I think that probably helped, um, oh, you know, and they did a bit of, you know, I had to tell them what I thought they were going to dress and what they were going to cost and everything before they did it and see if it worked out and, yeah, like follow it through and make sure I sort of had my eye in. Um, but it, it looks definitely the first time you, you step up there. It's, um, I found it a bit nerve-wracking, yeah. Yeah, I can completely understand that. <laughs> so now you don't – beef isn't just at work, isn't it? You've got some other – Things you do outside the the company that yeah mm. I um tell us about that well yeah a lot of my life is beef actually um which I, I like it that way yeah, um, it's a terrific way to I be. yeah exactly so I a couple of years ago I was actually the South Australian Rising Beef Champion um which is a cattle council initiative yep and so how did you get there? was that through mainly your role at work or that sort of no um I to be honest that's already the uh, stock and land or the, the stock journal, one yeah. or the other. I can't remember. But um, so I had something in there and I guess something that I am passionate about is I think if you want to have an opinion on something, if you're not willing to get up and, and do something to help, well, I don't – like. I, I think you need to be ready to put your hand up and do the work, not just complain or not just say, oh, geez, they should do it like this, they should do it like that. need to have solutions, not problems. Yeah, solution-based. And yeah. so I guess I really didn't understand a lot of the political side or that everything that goes into creating our beef industry, not just, you know, the farmers on farm, but things like LPA and NBDs and Yep. And biosecurity and all of you know, the governing news. bodies and the different exactly, representative everything. groups, and then it's the different you, yeah. peak industry councils mm-hmm. and state farming organisations and all. And I really, I really didn't understand it or have any idea, you know, the work that the people that are doing that put into it. Um, and I wanted to understand it better, and I wanted to be, I wanted to make sure our industry is sustainable and not just sustainable, but you know that it's going to go into the future and be something that you know the next generation thinks of is a, is a viable and fantastic industry to be a part of 
Do you understand it now? Oh, I don't understand it completely. No, I'll. I'll I think Does anyone understand it completely? <laughs> There's a few people. So I, I serve now on a um, cattle council committee called yeah. Industry Systems and Food Safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some guys on there that have been part of, you know, the industry and have been part of that stuff and have an absolute wealth of knowledge that if I could get to half of, I'd be happy. Um, but it's been really amazing sort of having the ability to work on things like the new LPA reaccreditation um, process and, and what goes into that and, you know, looking at how that not only affects, yes, Australian farmers, but also the the image that that, that 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 then gives to the world and, you know, be able to work on things that are hopefully going to make our industry a better better industry to work in. Um, and it's, I just, yeah, I've, I've, the amount of work that a lot of people do that probably goes unseen and unnoticed is extraordinary. So, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed being a part of that committee or still a part of it. Because you're obviously gaining a lot of knowledge through that and you, you've said it a couple of times through your education but also your um, motivation for going for that award was mm-hmm. to build your knowledge and to get a grasp on the, the politics and the, and the governing bodies. How do you see, maybe it's you or an industry initiative at some point, sharing that knowledge or getting more people to understand all of those systems? Because it is overwhelming and confusing and if it isn't some of it isn't your every day when you're out in the paddock doing the mustering and whatever else how do you how do you get that through to people it's trying to encourage people to be involved I think is the biggest thing um and look I know MLA are working on different um projects to try and you know educate or you know to work with farmers to to get them to learn what's happening and changes and whatever it may be but I think encouraging producers that to want to be involved in their industry, not just like, you know, whether that's joining your state farming organisation or, you know, going to when eventually we can have meetings again, um, you know, going to meetings or, you know, going to at the end of the year MLA have a red meat forum where producers are able to learn a whole lot and they can get up and have their, their 10 cents worth um, or whether it's looking at joining cattle council or doing something else, I think. The more that you can get involved, you know, the, the more you're going to learn. And as I said, like I'm still very much learning from my committee and the committee members that have been there for longer than I have. It's also, well, it's also everybody's busy. And I think, you know, that gets thrown yeah. around so much as, oh, I'm too busy. I'm like, well, er- everybody is busy. And, you know, yeah. I guess you make times for the, the things you consider important. Do you feel that you, I get frustrated? Do you get frustrated that, um, people use that excuse and some of these younger producers or producers in general maybe just dismiss it a bit easily? Yeah, I mean, I don't get frustrated. Like, I understand it. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, you, you make time for what's important. Um, it doesn't have to be your whole life. It doesn't have to be something, but maybe it is, you know, something that you say, well, I'm, I can't do everything, but I can do one thing. I can, I can look into one thing or I can try and learn a little bit more about this one thing. So maybe it's not trying to throw yourself into every single committee and group or whatever. It's just going, okay, well, I'll start with one thing. and Prioritise your yeah, we'll just Yeah, just start with one thing, see how you go, and whether that maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. And look, I think it's 
it also becomes something that I genuinely look forward to. And I've, you know, in working with Cattle Council, it's got, you know, on our committee, we have producers from Western Australia and Tasmania and Queensland and Northern Territory. And then we've got someone from the Agents Association. We've got me as a processor. So being able to have all of those different farming systems and producer types and, you know, a whole value chain essentially in one room talking about these things, again, it gives you another perspective. It gives you another way of looking at what you're doing and how you're doing it. And, yeah, it's just been really interesting. Okay, so we're going to change tack a little bit. So tell me about mm-hmm. the Southern Grass-Fed Carcass Classic. Yeah, so the Southern Grass-Fed Carcass Classic is a carcass competition um, that's been running for, I believe, this will be our 13th year um, this year. So, And it is, well, we've, we're claiming, um, and we haven't found a bigger one yet, we're the largest grass-fed carcass competition in Australia. And we've yet to find one bigger in the world. So really, so we'll just take that, just stake that claim right now. Don't even think yeah, about it. Yeah, we're just staking bluff. it. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we'd uh, my one of the guys on our committee did actually start the hashtag quite controversially Narracourt, the real beef capital of Australia. Ooh, um, that's going to hurt Camden, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I think <laughs> he's, he's uh, yeah he made a big claim on that one. But how did that? Um, yeah. How did that feedback come back? I don't know. I don't know if they've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> well, they will but, now. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. No, it's, um, look, it's a fantastic, I guess, initiative. It was started, yeah, quite a few years ago um, with the idea of giving producers the ability to benchmark their cattle um, to other people, but also um, something which we're very passionate about on the committee is raising money for the Royal Flying Doctor Service. Oh, wow. So we're actually run as a non-profit to give producers the ability to benchmark their cattle and their breeding or their finishing or how they want to do it against other producers in the area, but, yeah, also to raise money. So we've seen, I think we're well and truly over, I think this year we're giving them around $30,000. Holy dooly, that's amazing. Yeah. So, and that was, yeah, we had 1,334 grass-fed carcass entries. Um, so that we start... Um, the end of September last year, and we run through to the end of February this year. And what's your catchment for that? Where are the producers from? So mainly South Australia and Western Vic. So we've had a couple from sort of north of Adelaide and then all the way down, you know, to around the southeast of Narracourt into Victoria as well because um, we are quite close to the border here in Narracourt. So, yeah, we had um, our biggest year was a couple of years ago and it was we had 1,600. 1600 entries. That's a lot of carcasses. That's <laughs> Yeah, it is. And do you do it's that a, it's at a lot the of data. That, yeah, we did a lot of data too. So do you, do you do all that at the T's plant? The committee is like, I guess, separate to T's. We run um, as our own committee. I'm the treasurer. Oh, always. The, <laughs> did you then, come into that meeting last? And that was what was yeah. <laughs> No one volunteers to be treasurer. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I'm not. Not very good at saying no. <laughs> so, I've been the treasurer for a few years now, but uh, it's pretty. It's not too bad. I don't mind it. Yeah, but we process all the cattle through the Tees Narracourt site. Um, so yeah, Tees has always been a great supporter of of the competition. Yeah, and we've been able to, as I said, the the first couple of years we sort of had it run in a much closer time period. Um, but 
just due to we've been able to change um, change the way we run the competition a little bit and allow it to run for a lot longer so that more producers can get access, you know, have the opportunity to enter the, the competition. But look, you sound like you've just got a million balls up in the air at all the time. Um, but you're quite an avid gardener as well. How do you manage gardening as a time-consuming hobby? You don't have any yeah. time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess it. Um, I both my mum and my dad were have were fantastic gardeners. My mum, as well as being a teacher, actually went back and did garden design. Um, wow. So she was, she, yeah, she can. She's a qualified garden designer, so. Thankfully, she's. Um, I own a little twenty-acre hobby farm here in um, just on the outskirts of Narracourt. Um, so she's sort of helped me design design my garden and and helped me there. And Dad's always been pretty good at, I guess, putting into fruition some of her designs. Um, and he's also a very good veggie gardener. So yeah, I think it's sort of my de-stress. It's my at the end of the day, I kind of walk around the garden and you know, in the hotter months occasionally with a beer in hand and, you know, water things and just, I guess, that's my wind down from the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just, yeah, I really like it. I like being able to walk outside and especially for my vegetables, like pick pick something fresh and come back in and eat it and not have to worry about going to the supermarket. <laughs> yeah, and finding different ways to put it all together and, and then preserve it so I can, you know, eat some of veggies all through the winter isn't it terrific when you like I was never um a gardener we lived down in Tasmania for a time and bought this beautiful little house that had a huge garden and threw seeds in the ground and everything grew and then it was that mad panic going oh I can't waste any of it so you sort of learn preserving (laughs) yeah like like you you have to it's a it's a necessity at some point and then it becomes addictive yeah it does it really does you're around beef all day. You're looking at these carcasses. You know what you're looking for, and you know what your customers are looking for. When you're when you're at home and you're planning what to cook for tea, what is your go-to cut? What what do you daydream about? Ooh. Oh, that's a. It's just like asking someone to pick their favourite child. That's um. That's a. That's a. That's a hard question. Look, I can't. I probably can't go past because I, I do love steak on the barbecue. I, I just it's one of my favourite things. And are you a medium rare, rare blue? Or- I'm rare. So I was, I was medium, and then I worked at a, started working in a meat plant. And when we'd have barbecues, uh, you you learn to eat rare. Yeah, so, and no now choice. I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, this is the way steak should be eaten. Yes. So, and now I love it. Well done. Um, but I'd probably um, cube roll or uh, Scotch fillet would be. Yeah, that's probably. Probably my favourite, or if we're going to get a bit technical, I like a rump. If you steam off the rump cap and then just cook, yeah, the, the sort of body of the rump. That's my husband's favourite too, and he gets laughed at when I, whenever someone asks him. Is that rump is his rump? Yeah, it's, ideal. it's fantastic flavour. Mm. Fantastic flavour. It really is. I do, yeah, I just I probably um probably cube roll, and also just for um for me like for portions and stuff, it's just easy because. You know, we can get meat through work and I can get a really great sized piece of meat and, you know, a cube roll and I, I, I can then cut it up myself and, you know, it's just, yeah, pretty Gosh. perfect. Next time I'm in South Australia, I'm popping over for dinner because it sounds Come amazing. Around. So Beef Australia, that's why we're, why we're chatting. You'll be mm-hmm. heading up, no doubt. What are you, what's going to be your go-to for, for the event in 21? 
Yeah, so I actually went to Beef the first time in uh, 2018, and Tees actually runs a, a tent there, mm-hmm. um, so everyone should come and see us. So we spend the week, There's um, basically there's someone that does my job at every plant, so we spend the week there, I guess, running the tent, um, well, that's what we did last time, and, and showing uh, we do a few different presentations, like we did some on how to become grasslands accredited, you know, how to get the best out of your carcass feedback, how to prepare feeders um, for, for entry into the feedlot. What's the, you know, we got MLA to come in and do some on, you know, different meat science and that sort of stuff. So we basically just spent the week in there. We have producers that they might, um, we have a few producers bring in their feedback so that they could actually sort of chat through something with you or... Oh, terrific. Yeah, I'd say I'll be doing something similar, hopefully. Um yeah, talking to producers all week and doing some presentations and maybe sneaking out of the tent occasionally to, to go and see a few different things. But, um, yeah, it was um, – I thought the week was – it was a huge eyes opener for me. I'd, yeah, never been and I couldn't think of a better place to spend a week. No, it really is. It's a delicious place to spend a week. Oh, I can guarantee fantastic. that. Fantastic. Well, look, Kitty, it's been absolutely delightful having a chat today. Thanks so much for your time. No, no worries at all. And we'll see you in the Tees Tent at Beef 21. Sounds like a plan. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.